But I want to talk a little bit just real quick. This is Paul writing to the church. This is going to be Paul's second prayer. And if you remember in verse 1, Paul prayed. He opened it up with a passage and prayed. And he was praying that we, he says in there that our eyes and hearts would be enlightened so that we could see. What do you think God, what he wanted us to see? See, I think Paul wanted us to see and what he, what he wanted to remind us of is how blessed we are. How many of you look at your lives and maybe the things you've gone through is like, Pastor, I just don't feel very blessed. That's why we don't go off of feelings. But we're very blessed in the, in the things that God has touched us with. Amen. I talked to someone the other day that was in a car accident, a really bad car accident, and the car was totaled. And I was like, man, do you see the provision that God had? He protected you in that accident. We need to stop and praise God. Sometimes we, we slough over those things and just think, you know, the world says it's, it's luck. And luck has nothing to do with it. Amen. It's God's hand of protection. Let me tell you, that luck left me a long time ago, okay? God's blessings have not. I've driven down the highway, lost control of my car, spun out of control, and God protected me without hitting anything. I've been in situations where God has allowed me to walk and and look later, found out how dangerous those situations were. God's hand with protection was upon me. And so that's what Paul is trying to do. He wants us to understand that, how blessed we are. And this is coming from a man at this point who was in prison. He wasn't sitting there at a desk writing in a comfortable room. He was sitting in the center port of a prison, chained to a guard, and he's sitting there wanting to remind us how blessed we are, how blessed he is. How many know sometimes when we sit there, we need to remind other people how blessed they are? Why? Is because it allows us to realize how blessed we are. You ever get talking to someone you're like, Lord, I, I just want to cheer them up. And you begin to cheer them up. What happens to you? You get cheered up in the same way. Why? It's because you're speaking life over them. And that's what Paul is doing, I believe. He's wanting to speak life over us to let us know, remind us how blessed we are. My dad used to tell us that if I had nothing to be thankful for, find one thing. Find one thing and just begin thanking God over and over for that one thing. Because in the midst of that one thing, God begins to disclose other things. And it just goes on and goes on and it gets us out of the doldrums that we've walked in. So he, he opens up in verse 4 or verse 3 of, of chapter 1. And he praises God and he blesses, he says, bless us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I mean, no, that's a good thing. We need to pray that over ourselves, church. I was, so we're listening to that, the old silent night. How many of you ever think of that as a worship song, but it's a beautiful worship song. Yeah. Oh, silent night. So in, in the midst of just a quiet evening, God birthed his, his child to us and gave us a gift. That we should, at this time of year, we, we remind ourselves, remember ourselves. Remember what Christ did for us. So we're going to look at today, starting off in verse 14 here. And this is Paul's second prayer. But I want to do something a little different as I read these passages. I want to pray this passage over you. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. It says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And that to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. And everyone said, amen. amen. What a beautiful prayer that is that Paul prayed over us. You know, ever stop and sit there and maybe you don't, you know, people always tell me, Pastor, I don't know what to pray. I'm not, I'm not a prayer person. Begin to pray in the word. Begin to read the word and begin to pray that out loud. God begins to take that and touch our hearts and our minds. I want to start off in verse 15 here, and Paul talks about, he says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You realize that every name that we have, no matter where you think you're from, maybe you were adopted, maybe you came into this world in the great, and that under, not under the greatest circumstances, and the world has made you feel like you're an outcast or made the world has made you feel that you're obsolete or you're not worth anything. I want to tell you today that is a lie from the pits of hell because we were all created in God's image. We were all created at birth. It tells us that we, in, the, in, the, in conception, in the, in the mother's womb, that we were knitted together. We come out, our name is not maybe Johnson, or maybe it's, it's not what we think is our last name. It is the name of God that rests upon each one of us. Yeah. It's the choices that we have made in our lives that walk us away from that. But God was there. Every family, I think God wanted us to remind ourselves how important family is. And that family comes from our God Father. This is a wonderful time of year. We get families get together. Our family gets together. And when our family gets together, there's 50-something of us. So there's a house full. But we're sitting there talking, and I, I love it together, hooking up with my nephews and nieces and chatting and and just getting a chance to hear what God is doing in their lives or, or what, what is going on in their lives. And that's what, that's what our Sunday morning is together. The family comes together. The Greek word for family is derived out of the word father. Our heavenly father is calling us to be part of his family. That's what Paul was trying to tell us here in that prayer. How many of you know people that feel like that they, they were a mistake or they were, they were created out of bad circumstances and, and, and they've used that to either put themselves down or, or people have used that to keep them down. We need to remind them where they came from, that all of us came from God. Goes on in verse 16, says, I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Paul is telling us he wants us to be strengthened with power through God's Holy Spirit. Why? Why do you think he's telling us that? So Christ may dwell in our hearts because of our faith in him. How many of you, do you, you seek God's direction in daily when you need that strength? He wants us to strengthen us with power each and every day. I don't know about you, I cannot go from Sunday to Sunday and remain strong in the Lord. I have to do it day in and day out. Why? It's because I'll be too weak when the enemy comes at me to face him and, and would be, end up being succumbed to what he's trying to do. The Bible tells us he is out there like a roaring lion trying to seek, kill, and destroy. And if you think that you can only get your spiritual blessing or spiritual strength by coming to him in the presence of one day a week, we're misguided. We've allowed the enemy, we've allowed the culture and our society to dictate that to us. So he says, strengthened with power through God's Holy Spirit. Why? So Christ may dwell in our hearts because of our faith in him. What for? So that he would be rooted and established in his love. So that we would be rooted and established in his love. So what? So that we would somehow be able to comprehend, get this, comprehend the incomprehensible magnitude of God's love. That's what we sang about this morning in that song, Reckless Love. God chased after each one of us. We can't run away from him. You can go, I was reading the story the other day regarding some of the oceans. I never realized this, but we have some oceans that are 36,000 feet deep. I can't even begin to fathom that. Thousands of miles wide. I have flown to Hawaii before from L.A., and just all you see is water for hours upon hours. And yet, no matter where I go, his presence is there. And his love is there. His incomprehensible, the love that he has for us. Then what? Then it says that then we would be filled with the fullness of God. Why is that important? How many of you feel like you're filled with the goodness of God today? How many of you struggle with the fact that maybe you're not filled with that? So I want to challenge you today. I think it begins with us where it goes back in that passage, and he talks about being rooted and established. See, I, 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 when it comes to this when it comes to issues being rooted, I'm, I want to talk about trees. I know that might sound strange, but in high school, I was a manager of a nursery, a plant nursery. And so I got to learn a lot, did some botany classes and some horticultural stuff, and began to learn you know, the root system and how important it was. I love the oak trees that we have here in, in Central Florida, how massive they are, and how massive the root system is and how important that root system. In South Florida, we have the, the, the ficus trees. Their root system is not deep. It doesn't go down too deep. So when the storms hit, the, the, most of the ficuses get blown over or get destroyed. But I remember when Ian came through and they have two of the huge oak trees in the front yard and just watching 
them. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to hurricanes. So I stepped out in the front yard and, and I'd watched the swaying of the wind as the, it was just bustling through. And, and as these massive trees were just standing firm. Spiritually for us, if we don't get rooted into God's word, we don't get rooted into Christ, we get blown from here to there. Whatever doctrine, whatever good feeling is, how many of you know people that whatever, they want to chase after this, and all of a sudden they get there, I'm going to chase after this. Just chase after Jesus. Because when we chase after him, our roots go deeper. Picture the, a great tree stretching wide and growing tall. But the, as I said, the real secrets of those trees are the root system. The roots dig into the ground to find their nutrients and, and water and life. Roots themselves cling upon rocks, and they establish firmly. To, why do they do that? So they can withstand the storms that they have to face. My grandfather taught me when I was a kid in St. Augustine. We'd go on the beach, and if you've ever been up on the beaches up there, all the trees along the beach blow, kind of blow this or look, are facing away from the, wind, from the ocean. And he shared with me from the time those were little saplings, the wind would blow, and that's how they would face, but they stood strong. At the end of the day, they never came down. They were tossed by the wind, but they weren't shaken by the wind. They weren't destroyed by the wind. In the midst of a drought, uh, the roots of a tree go deeper to find the nourishment, to find the water. Each tree has what they call a taproot, and, and it goes down as far as it can go. It goes down deep. And there's, there's something inside of us spiritually that we need to have that taproot where we can dive down deep. Paul wants us to be rooted and established, he says. And if you want fruit in your life, you want that love, I'll tell you, so many people in, today and believers chase the fruit of the Spirit instead of chasing after Jesus. We want, we want the byproduct, but we don't want to, the, the stuff that we have to go through and to do to press in to build us up, strength, to strengthen ourselves. The title of my message today is Water the Root, Not the Fruit. And I want to look at a couple things. See, I think the most important aspect of this is to understand we have to tap into Jesus. He tells us in John, he is the vine, we are the branches. If, we remain, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Listen to this last portion. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Too many of us think, and too many people in the world think, that we can do anything we want. And but, but the word tells us, if we don't tap into the, his vine, we can do nothing. It won't, it won't be fruitful. I want to I look, before going on further, of the story in Daniel I think which exemplifies the, uh, these, these, this theory of, of being rooted in the Word. Now, I know it's the Old Testament, and I know it's a little different when we read out of the Old Testament, so, and it's a long story, so I'm just going to paraphrase, so you bear with me. But in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, who is an arrogant individual and had a bunch of yes-men around him, the Word tells us that, that Nebuchadnezzar built a gold image that was 60 cubit high. So that means it was 90 feet high. It was six cubits wide, which means it was nine and a half feet wide. That's a huge structure. Then he summoned all of his government officials in there. I mean, all the government officials. And then they proclaimed to the country, 
They stood up and they proclaimed to the country that when they hear these musical instruments, the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, that everyone must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. That if you didn't, you'd be thrown in the fire and burned. But these government officials came to him afterwards, and this tells you how nitpicky they were, and they were just a bunch of yes men. They had found three government officials or three officials in the government that weren't doing it, or three people were part of it. We know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they refused to bow down to the king. So these, throne, these three men were brought to the, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he asked them if it was true. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you do not serve, he asked the question, why don't you serve the gods or worship the image I have set up? And he, then he goes on to tell them they'll be thrown in the fire. But they answered him back and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They were being respectful. They were armed, but they had, they, their, their roots went down. They knew who the one true God was. I'll tell you something, church. If you haven't faced adversity, you haven't faced trials, Paul's teaching us out of a time in prison. And it wasn't a pretty sight. And there, there are one, there'll be times when all of us go through bad times, bad situations in our life. And if we're not grounded in, in the Lord, we're not grounded in his word, we're not grounded in the relationship, we could be succumb to those circumstances. These three would have been succumbed to that. What I mean is they would have bowed down. They would have given in. They'd have given in to the peer pressure. How many of you ever given in to peer pressure because of friends you had? They wanted to do something. You didn't want to do it, but yet they put pressure on you. So I want to just look at just a couple things, what I think these individuals did. See, being rooted creates courage. Listen to their response. It says, if we're thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. That's, not, that's nothing new. And, we will and he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. They knew that no matter what they go through, God could deliver them out of that. How many of you walk through bad situations? How many of you got, had to go into the doctor and, 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 the answer, and you might get some bad news knowing that and you're, you're trying to build up your faith? No matter what the news is, God or no, doctor, my God can handle it. Or how many of you go in saying, no matter what the news is, I can't handle this? See, when we're rooted in God, we're, we're not just walking alone. We're walking, Jesus is walking with us. He's, he's out in front of us. And that's what those three men were facing that day. Being rooted helped them, helps in their faith. Listen to this. He said, but if he doesn't, this is continuing on, but if he doesn't, please under this, understand this, sir. They're speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar that even then he will never under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have erected. They were drawing a line that everyone in that kingdom knew. They were speaking faith over their situation and letting them know. So we know the story that Nebuchadnezzar had them bound 
And the guards took them and threw them in the fire. And the fire says they did it so quickly that the guards that were thrown in were overcome and were burned and were killed. You ever think about those type of situations walking through? See, I, I firmly believe we're in the last days. Mentally, I prepare myself in prayer. Lord, I, I, we, I don't want to walk through torture. I don't want to walk through this. But Lord, if I do, I know you'll be with me. Now give me the grace and the understanding that I will not bow to the, to the enemy or to the God of this world. I will only bow to you. Listen what happens when we lift up the Lord, we walk in his faith, and we're rooted in him. Being rooted inspires others. Listen to what, this hap what happened. King Nebuchadnezzar walked over and looked in the fire. He said, guys, we, we threw three in the fire, but there's four in there now. There's, there, we put three in, but there's four. And the fourth one looks like it's shining like the Son of God. We want to talk about testimony. And I was sitting there thinking about it. So this fire was raging. It was burning. You ever look into a fire? It kind of hurts your eyes a little bit, like looking in the sun sometimes. But you look in there, but yet you see the fourth one's out shining the fire. And immediately the testimony goes, this is the Son of God. The God the way, when we exercise our faith in Christ, and we do the things that God's asked us to do. He will strengthen us, but it will bear witness to those around us. What happens is, is when, we, when we don't, we're not consistent in our walk with our faith, and we, we come up to that dividing line and say, oh, this time won't hurt. No one's going to watch me, and everyone around us is watching, and we slip up and make that mistake. It's how we respond to that is that, that gives testimony to those around us. And what makes us hypocritical is to think, I can do this and I can get away with it. I can do this and I'll still be strong with it. And what happens is before long, we're weak in our walk and, and we're, we're not doing, not round, round, routed, well, grounded in God's word, in God's life. King Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, this is the king now, therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, Nebuchadnezzar never accepted their God, but he realized there's something powerful in their God. Why? It's because they walked out in faith. They drew that dividing line, said, God, you can rescue me, but even if you choose not to, I will not serve that other God. And he said that, they, that if you don't, don't follow them, then you'll be cut into pieces. Your houses will be turned into piles of rubble. And no other God can save you in this way is that the king, the God, of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then the king proclaimed, and he, he promoted those three men in the government. Now, you might not think that's much, but these individuals were rooted in, in their belief with God. We see someone else later on in Daniel that was too as well. But this testimony 
is what it takes to have our walk with him to be rooted. If I can have the worship team come on up. Paul's prayer continues in verse 18. It says, may, may I have the power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled in the measure of all fullness of God. I love that prayer. It's a prayer for all of us together to know that Jesus, Jesus' love is meant to, for all of us. See, this is the time of year as believers, we're gonna be judged by those outside, those that are watching us. And I'm not saying we do things for those who are watching us. We do it, but we show God's love. How do you show God's love each and every day? How do you exemplify that love? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exemplified that love by laying their lives down to say, this is the dividing line. This is where I will go. I will not go, I will not go any further. See, the mystery of the church is understanding these little tidbits that are throughout the word and that God has hidden in there for each one of us in our walk. He finishes up here and he says the word, the word to grasp. The word here, to grasp, is just it's a know to understand something. It means that we're, we didn't need to lay hold and make it our own. When you grasp hold of Jesus, when you grasp hold of the word that he has, it's not, it's not reading something that someone thousands of years ago wrote. It's about grasping hold of it and making it your own. When I read this, I, I feel like it's God speaking to me individually and personally. I feel like it's God telling me. I went through a season that I really struggled reading Proverbs because it's a book of wisdom and I was in a period of rebellion in my life and every day I'd read a proverb and man, I couldn't finish it. I'd throw, put the book down and go on. Why? It's because God was using that to chip away at my heart, to chip away at my mind. Each one of us go through those moments and we fight it and we have to have the strength to be able to do that. Verse 19, love that, this love, that know this love that surpasses knowledge. That word know in there means from experience. See, we don't, we can never know the love that God has for us unless we have an experience with him. Unless you've had that, that forgiveness. You know, I used to struggle with my testimony. I grew up in a pastor's home. I watched the three older siblings do what they did. And it was like, I saw them get in trouble. And maybe I was just a weak little kid. And I said, I didn't want to go that direction. I didn't want to get spanked for those things. And I always felt like, Lord, I never, I never did anything. I never stretched boundaries. Like, Lord, why do, you, why do I deserve your forgiveness? And God reminded me in a very personal moment some of the things I'd felt through my life and walked through in my teenage years and reminded me. It's that experience that, that stays with me and reminds me. That's why Paul said in the beginning to remind ourselves of the blessings that he has bestowed upon us. 
we don't know, we forget because we allow the things of this world to take it away from us. You know, everyone I talk to right now just talks about how tired they are, what they're walking through, and how busy life is for them. Any, anyone else there? What happens when we get into those moments in life that we're so busy, we, we put God on the outside, but all we see is ourselves in the midst of a forest. All we can say is, I got, I got that task to do. I've got that to do. I've got this to do. No, I can't do that because I've got to come over here. I've got to go over here. And we're, we're so busy that we, we don't, we've not taken Christ into our journey with us. We've not stopped and said, Lord, walk with me through this. The only way that we know the love that surpasses knowledge is having that, that knowledge that he's with you no matter where you go. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Do you, he, let me read that again. I want you to grasp hold that. Now to him who is able to do immensely more than all we ask or imagine. Who is that? We're, we're talking about Christ here. According to his power that is at work within us. He tells us in his word, but he tells the disciples, and we are the, his disciples, we'll do greater things than he. Why? It's because he's, he's sitting by the right hand of the Father. He's unleashed his Holy Spirit upon us. Why is that we could go out and be the light of this world? To this time of year, the world will recognize a little baby in a manger. They love the Christmas story because it's about a little baby. What the world struggles with is when we get to Easter and that baby is grown and placed on a cross. When they have to come to grips that he had to die for our sins. He had to die. He loved us so much that he had to take those sins upon himself. Each one of us take a responsibility in that. But he washes it all away when we come into his presence and we ask him for his forgiveness. To him be the glory in, church, in the church and to Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Church, the, the most important aspect to come through, through this today is being rooted in Jesus Christ. Being rooted in his word, being rooted in a relationship with him, that no matter what we walk through, that's the mystery. How do we accomplish that? How are we going to get there? And it's, just, and it's just day after day after day. Finding him in the midst of those storms. Knowing that he is there in the midst. He's right around you. He's not left you. He's never forsaken you. He's there walking out in front of you to lead you. Will you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you this morning, Lord.